Alrighty, so we're going to read from the book of Mark. It's in the New Testament, the second book. So the book of Mark, we've just started here at the lakes in Mark's gospel. And last week we looked at the announcement um, that Jesus said as he began his ministry, the kingdom of God has come near, so repent and believe. So we're looking at Mark chapter 1 and we'll start at verse 16. You can use the QR code up there if you get stuck. All righty, so... Mark chapter 1, verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in the synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, "'What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth?' Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to the impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after the sunset... The people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. This is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, can you make me clean? If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. 
As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Thank you, Corinne. Uh, well, good morning, my beautiful Lakes Church family. Uh, I'm going to lead us in prayer. If you agree, pray amen uh, at the end. That'd be great. Oh, God, our Father, uh, we do pray, uh, firstly, that you'll strengthen me, uh, empower me by your spirit to speak the good news of Jesus, uh, this wonderful good news. And Father, we pray for each one of us that you'll give us open soft hearts to receive it, uh, to establish in our hearts and in our lives, Jesus is our King and our Saviour. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It wasn't loud enough, people. But anyway, amen. Thank you. All right, two weeks into the new year we are. Uh, and I wonder, did anyone have New Year's resolutions? Caleb. Anyone else want to admit? You don't have to say what they are. All right, only a few of us. You guys are pessimists uh, as you think about All right, now, so have you failed yet, Caleb? Still going somewhat strong up back. Yeah, yeah, still going strong. Good one. Cor is it Coralie there? Yeah, okay. All right, so I'm going to ask you, what do you reckon the top New Year's resolutions are? So here they are, Forbes magazines. They've rated them, but I've cut out the answers, right? So what you need to do is try to help me fill in the gaps. So what do you think were the top New Year's resolutions? You can, you can just put your hand up and call out if you want to. So lose weight. Lose weight was up there. Let, uh, we'll see in a moment. Go to the gym. Less alcohol. Quit smoking. What's that? Work less. Uh, okay, well, let's have a look at what the answers were. Improve fitness, improve finances, improve mental health, lose weight, improve diet, more time with loved ones, stop smoking, learn a new skill. There's a work-life balance, drink less alcohol. All right, so there you go. Um, now, how long do you think people manage to go before they have failed at their New Year's resolution? Three days? That's very pessimistic. Did you say three weeks? Okay. You, oh, you said three days. Okay. This is why none of you bother, isn't it? Any other? Well, this is the self-reported answers. 1% um, said less than a month. But generally within three months, people, most people have... 50-50 is what people self-report. And people say, 6% of people say, I stuck with it. And it's an, an entrenched habit in my life. Now, it is interesting though, that's what people self-report. The reality is far bleaker. Uh, apparently, about 80% of people fail within the first month, uh, if you actually... Because this is our problem, isn't it? We're much more optimistic about ourselves than we should be. Uh, in, in terms of our ability to... Change is really difficult. Like Change, and especially the older you get, the harder it is to really bring change. Do, do you feel this? Yeah? Okay. Um, so, today... I want to give you a New Year's resolution, right? And, and, and you, know, you don't have to treat it as a New Year's resolution, maybe a life goal, right? I want to persuade you that this is the top of the list, that it's worth chasing after, and I want to encourage you 
that with Jesus' help, you can do it, right? Uh, and, and so I, I want to kind of get you, you know, you people who don't set any goals, you know, you're just bleak and pessimistic about your ability to change. I want to encourage you. Here's a goal to chase after, to orientate your life around and the encouragement that with Jesus' help, you can do it. Right, this is going to be a life-changing morning. Uh, it could well be. Uh, so Mark chapter 1, uh, we're going to listen to Jesus uh, for a while. And here are my two big points. Can you see them? The blank ority of Jesus. And second point, the blank ority of Jesus. Right? Now, what I've done is it's very clever. There's missing letters there. Right? So you've got to work out what the missing letters are. Some of you know already, you know, you're Sudoku champions or something like that. Anyway, so firstly, the blank ority of Jesus, my first point. What do you think is the missing letters? A, yes, A-U-T-H, right? Authority, the authority of Jesus. I did hear point number two from some of you uh, already. Uh, so we know from verse one, so throw up verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. We know from that verse, Jesus is God's eternal king. Long awaited, where God would do away with the beastly, bully, abusive, corrupt kingdoms of our world that just exploit and ravage like the barbarians, just tear through everything. Jesus would do away with corrupt kingdoms and he would bring in his good eternal kingdom under his good king, his servant king, Jesus. And so we're announced, Mark tells us it's Jesus. God tells us it's Jesus. God says, here is my son whom I love with him. I'm well pleased. John the Baptist knows it's Jesus and Jesus himself knows. He says the kingdom has arrived. The kingdom of God has come. So verse 16, we start to see the authority of Jesus in action in Jesus' ministry. And the first thing we see is his authority over people. He says to these fishermen, Simon and Andrew, so they're down the lake fishing, they're professional fishermen, they're not just doing it as a hobby, this is their livelihood, casting nets. And Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, if you know the Old Testament, you'll know there is a background of a great fishing catch at the end of time. And God describes, say, in Habakkuk chapter 1, where he will cast out a net and he will gather up all of humanity. You know how a fisherman just, a net is indiscriminate. You know, if you're a spear fisherman, you can actually choose which fish you take home or, you know, you shoot. But as a, as a net fisherman, you just throw it in and you get all these rubbish as well as all the good fish. And so then you sit on the shore and you sort out the good from the bad. And that was an image in the Old Testament of God saying, that is what I'm going to do at the end of, the, at the end of time. I'm going to bring in a harvest of humanity and there'll be a sorting uh, of the good and the bad. Uh, everlasting life, everlasting destruction. And what Jesus says to these professional fishermen is, leave those fishing nets behind. I've got a greater calling for you. Come and fish for people from now on. And immediately they follow. 
And he goes up to another couple of guys. Who are the other couple of guys? So it's Simon and Andrew, then James and John, is it? Verse 19, yeah. James and his brother John, immediately they follow. There's there's an authority in Jesus as he calls people to follow him, drop everything, and they follow. Now, what is it to fish for people? Well, as you keep on reading through Mark's gospel, you see it is about proclaiming the good news of Jesus. So let me show you a couple of verses. So Mark is a little bit understated on this, but it says the gospel must be preached to all nations. And Matthew 28, Jesus is very explicit as he sends out his disciples. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. So it's this good news of Jesus must be preached. What's the good news? Jesus is God's servant king. He is the saviour of the world, but he's also king. He's also the judge of the whole world. And what the disciples were to do was they were to embark on this, you know, millennia. It's been 2,000 years since they began this, but this fishing expedition where they throw out the good news of Jesus like a net and people respond either in faith and receive salvation or in hardening themselves to the message, in which case they come under the judgment of God. But either way, what is taking place even now in our world is God sorting out humanity, those who will receive eternal life and those who will go to eternal condemnation. And it all hangs on the message of Jesus going out. Oh, no, sorry, take it back. Um, Don't give it away. All right, so just listen to this point. It all hangs on the word going out. What a a power Jesus was giving his disciples. What an authority he gives to us to actually join him in God's end-stage judgment. And I don't do it... Like, I, I want people to be saved. That's my heart. But thankfully, that's God's heart as well. And that's Jesus' heart. But this is the danger of preaching the word is it has two responses, doesn't it? And so for some, they will receive salvation and what a joy. But for others, it will confirm them in their unbelief and they'll harden their hearts uh, and confirm God's judgment that will come on them. It's a weighty task that has been given these disciples and that has been passed on to us 2,000 years later. Second point about Jesus' authority is authority to teach. So verse 21, they went to Capernaum. When the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority. Uh, Next slide, I think. Taught them as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Now, I love Mr. Bean, right? If you were watching carefully, you would have seen a little snippet of Mr. Bean earlier. So Mr. Bean goes to church. You know this episode? Uh, And there he is. He's trying hard to pay attention, just as I know some of you are kind of fighting to give me your attention. But then he starts to drift off, nodding, falling asleep, definitely asleep, Really definitely <laughs> asleep by the end. And it is, it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. 
I love it. But I want you to, when you, when you replay that clip this week, listen to the preaching, right? Because there's words being spoken in the background. It's Rowan Atkinson himself. Uh, and he's pretending to preach, but it's utter gibberish. It's like, and it's just like that. It's just like that. And no wonder it sends people to sleep because that is so many people's experience of listening to sermons in church. That's kind of what I feel like I grew up on, right? That's, now, it's not necessarily the preacher's problem all the time, so just a warning to all of you. <laughs> Sometimes it's our problem in our hard attitude as we listen. Um, now, I'm not sure what people were used to in Jesus' day uh, was that kind of their experience. But come back to the quote. Look at their experience when they hear Jesus. There's something different to Jesus than the teachers of the law. There's some authority. It's compelling. It, it, it commands attention. Uh, you don't fall asleep in one of Jesus' sermons. It's kind of life-giving. And as we continue on through the gospel, because we're not, we're not told exactly you know, what Jesus' sermons look like early on, but as we hear the gospel, we'll hear Jesus' teaching. And you just go, wow, it is profound. Because there's this simplicity that we can teach our kids, you know, the parables of Jesus. And yet there's a, there's a profoundness in that we can hear these stories again and again and feel like, I'm hearing it for the first time or I'm discovering things that I don't think I had really taken to heart the first time. And so someone said, and I'll I'll claim it if no one wants to claim it, but someone said the words of Jesus are profound, sorry, are shallow enough for a child to wade in. That is, they're accessible, clear for a child to wade in, but deep enough for an elephant to swim. Right? And if you've got a big brain and if you think you know so much, you come to the teachings of Jesus and you just go, wow, there is so much to learn. Uh, and I find that. Right? I've been at this for decades and I just keep finding new truths in God's Word. Then they're, they're not, It's not like I, I'm going to rearrange my whole thinking, but it, it, it rearranges my whole life uh, and it just challenges me in ways that surprise me and it's beautiful. So beautiful. And my prayer as we come to church is that we hear the voice of Jesus. That's what we want to hear. You don't want to hear some middle-aged guy droning on, sending us to sleep. That's the last thing you want, right? And if not for Jesus, that's what you'd be getting right now. But the simple, clear, profound, soul-saving, life-saving gospel of Jesus, that's what you come for. If that's not what we're delivering, please let us know. Right? Because we, we want to really, we want Jesus to be the one we hear, not some other voice. But if, he, if it is what you're hearing when you come along, then make sure you come. Right? Don't use some, I was going to say pathetic, but that sounded too hard. Right? Pathetic if you like. Right? Don't let some feeble, weak excuse stop you coming to hear the life-changing soul-saving message of Jesus. You need to hear it. Uh, And that's what we gather for. Uh, And don't let 
other minor things distract you from that. Right? This, this is life. Number three, authority of Jesus over demons. Verse 23, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, what do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. And look at Jesus' response, be quiet. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and he came out of him with a shriek. Uh, there's, a, there's a power Jesus has over this dark, shadowy underworld. You know, this world that people know is there, demons, Satan, angels, God. People know it's there, but we live our lives in fear and kind of push it away. We live our lives in fear and superstition. Even in Australia, like we don't talk about these things too much, do, do we? And it's kind of not on the surface in Australia as much as it is in other countries. You go to other countries and it dominates life. You know, the fear of the shadowy places. You know, what happens at night. Uh, you know, the spirit world and how so much of societal life in some cultures is just dominated by fear and superstition of the, the underworld. But even in Australia, you look at our horror movies, you look at you know, stuff we watch on TV, Halloween. There's kind of this consciousness in Australia. Let me show you. Um, I know you've seen this before, and this is a very bad infographic. Like, it's very good. Uh, it's about from about a year ago, but the, I don't like the colours. Right? Uh, so basically, white is I agree, light blue is I disagree, and darker blue is I'm not sure. Now, that doesn't seem to make sense to me, the colours. But anyway, put that aside and see what it says. Do you believe in ghosts? Almost half of Aussies say yes, 30% say no. So up to 70% are kind of open to the idea of ghosts. Miracles, 60%. It's, it, it just staggers me. Do you believe in a soul, 70%? I know I've showed you this before, but it surprises me that Australia is still even though it feels like we live our lives as if what you see is all that there is, most people strongly believe there is more. There's more to this life than, than when I die. There's some sort of afterlife. There's more to this life than what I can see. There's angels, there's demons, there's supernatural stuff out there. Um, and as I say, it's much higher in other cultures where the demonic underworld creates great fear and anxiety. Now, come back to the Mark quote. What is surprising in the Gospels is you, Jesus steps into this world where it's, it's the people of God, the people of Israel, and what we see is demons kind of roaming around, impacting life for so many people. Uh, lives have been oppressed by unclean demonic spirits. And you go, this should not be the case because God's people were meant to be a light in a dark world. But we see Israel were just as dark, just as fearful, just as lost as the nations around about. But Jesus comes in and displays utter authority over that shady, unknown realm of the underworld. So verse 27, it's no, no surprise the people were amazed. 
So I've got some verses coming on the screen. Here's, here's how it's going to work this year, my beautiful people. Um, bring your Bibles along. Right? January is a kind of an amnesty period where I'll put you know, verses on the screen and I'll make it easier for you. In order. By February, right, you've all got your Bibles open because we really want to have our heads in the Bible. Even if you've just got a tablet like I do because you've got problems reading, right? have it open and, and be reading along it's just a good practice. It's good for us, right? But at the moment, I'm 50-50. Yeah, I'll give you some verses on the screen. All right, so Mark chapter 1, verse 27, the people were all amazed and they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. The authority of Jesus was astonishing to those who witnessed it firsthand. It was something new and incontrovertible. Wow. He had authority to heal. Verse 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James, John, to the, to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. They immediately told Jesus about her. He went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. Verse 32, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were demon-possessed. You would, wouldn't you? If you had these immediate needs and you think Jesus can help, then I'd, I'd be going myself. Right? Parkinson's, right? heal me. Uh, demon-possessed, oh, I've got a fr- I'm going to take my buddy. I, I, want, him, I want him healed. Uh, and so the whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many diseases, demons, but he wouldn't let them speak because they knew who he was. And we'll explore that theme of why is Jesus so quiet about his identity, but not today. Um, so Jesus' authority is powerful, immediate, wonderful, life-changing, and it was in desperate demand. So I want to ask you a question, and see, so I've done a sneaky, haven't I? We're on our first point, but I've done a few sub-points, right? So, but anyway, bear with me. Here's the question. Does Jesus have authority over you? Now, the answer is yes, whether you like that idea or not. Right? If, what, if what the Bible's saying is true, if what Jesus is saying is true... One day, when he comes again, every knee will bow. He has already been enthroned at God's right hand as the eternal king. Right? So Jesus has authority over everybody. That's what he said in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? So he is the king. And so the question is, have you relinquished authority to him? Uh, have you bowed the knee before King Jesus? Now, I recognise that some of you coming along, kind of dipping your toe in the water, finding out about Jesus. And I just want to say, if that is you, I am so delighted that you're here. It is wonderful. And I just want to say, keep coming. And I want to endorse what Caleb was saying about the Life Series, starting on the 6th of February, that's a great way to kind of just step forward in finding out about Jesus in becoming persuaded of the truth of Jesus. So keep coming along if that's you. 
But for many of us who are convinced, right, who say, yes, Jesus is my king, are you living with Jesus as your king? Right? Because Jesus calls on us not just to believe in him or about him, he calls us to follow him. And last year I was given this T-shirt. If you want to see my T-shirt, uh, can you see what it says? You can't see it. It says, it says Galilee Fisherman's Club, right? established 30 AD or 33 AD. I can't remember what it, exactly what it says. Galilee Fisherman's Club. Isn't that? That's cool, isn't it? Um, so, uh, it, and, it, and it just picks up on the idea that when Jesus called his first disciples, he said, follow me, and they followed but by following, they were joining in the fishing expedition. Uh, they were actually joining Jesus' mission to see the, the good news of Jesus go out there to our world and give people the opportunity to turn to Jesus and receive salvation. And so 2,000 years ago, I'm in the club. Right? But the thing is, I'm in the fishing club. But the thing is, all of us are part of that. And that is, all of us have called to bow the knee to King Jesus to be saved from our sin but also to to take up his mission in our lives and that is making disciples of all nations and I just want to ask what will that look like for you this year living with Jesus as your king and joining in his mission throughout the world now I'll come back to that at the end but I want to come on to our second point the blank ority. Who, who, who knows what the blank ority is? Priority. Yeah, well done, people. Um, in a sick world, there is no end of need. Uh, and so, you know, Jesus brings real, immediate help without cost. And very quickly, Jesus becomes overwhelmed with the needs of his own people. Verse 35, very early in the morning... While it was still dark, Jesus got up. I wasn't up before dark this morning. I just didn't have the energy. Um, I'm here now, though. All right. But just you look at Jesus' priorities, right? Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, well, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. In a, in a sick and desperate world, our immediate needs become all-consuming uh, and, they, and they become overwhelming and urgent. Uh, you know, you, you have an immediate need that causes you pain or discomfort and you just want that addressed as quick as possible. Um, and so people just flock to Jesus to have these urgent needs addressed. But in the busyness of it all, notice what Jesus does. He carves out time to pray. Uh, and to do it, he gets up very early in the morning, before it's dark, before people have started, you know, hassling him for help. Um, now, this is not Jesus having some me time. You know how people talk about me time? Um, 
This is Jesus casting his cares on his heavenly father. This is Jesus, yes, he's God, but he feels human weakness. He feels his capacity is being stretched to the limit because people just, it's like a bucket of chips and seagulls just coming and it's just like, I feel spent. Please God, strengthen me. Please God, help me. Please God, help me to honour you. Uh, Please God, give me wisdom. Uh, And so Jesus is there casting his cares. Please save this people who are so lost and living in such darkness. These are the things that Jesus is casting his concerns on, on God his Father. So prayer was one big priority of Jesus and he made it happen. Secondly, preaching. Notice what he says. I must go to the other cities and villages to preach. That's why I've come. Right? As much as he had this beautiful gift of healing and of releasing demon-possessed people so that they are now liberated from oppression, Jesus wants the gospel message to go out. There's, a, there's an urgency, a priority to that. And he will not allow anything to stop it. And so we see prayer and preaching, but as we keep reading through the gospel, we'll see that salvation uh, is another really pressing concern of Jesus. And I take it that's part of the message he was preaching. Um, But uh, Jesus would lay down his life, ultimately, for the sins of the world, to bring forgiveness to a people who desperately need it. Now, those were Jesus' priorities, you know, and you might be able to think of others, but they're really three core priorities. Do you think they were easy for Jesus to keep? No, right? The answer is no. They were not easy to keep. Everyone wanted a piece of Jesus. Everyone wanted their urgent needs met by Jesus And yet he's got these big picture goals that he knows he must fulfill these goals. These are are the burning things. And yet he has compassion on people in their immediate urgent needs. And so you see it with the leper. He comes to Jesus right at the end of the chapter. He's desperate. He's lived a life of sickness and isolation. He says, Jesus, if you're willing... You can make me clean. And you go, yes, that's true. Jesus can. He's demonstrated so clearly again and again his capacity to heal. But he can't just stay and heal every leper, can he? Because if he does that, the need will just, they'll just keep lining up at the door. And what about these three things? Prayer, preaching, and the salvation of the world by his death on the cross. And so there's a real tension built into Jesus' ministry. Uh, It is a real painful tension that Jesus feels. Um, His compassion, you feel like, could that jeopardize the bigger mission? And so what does he do? He shows compassion. And you just go, wow, it's costly. And you know it's costly. And you keep reading And you just see his hunger for sleep. You know, even on a boat in the middle of a storm, he's sleeping 
because there's an exhaustion of keeping such big weighty priorities and yet showing compassion and love to the immediate needs you see before you. Uh, And so I just think Jesus walked through this life with incredible compassion, with a clarity on why he was there, real sense of priorities, and he was just so big-hearted. Now, I want to come back to where we started, New Year's resolutions. Having heard Jesus' priorities, what do you notice about this list? Just just spend a moment in thought. You've heard Jesus' priorities. What do you notice about this list of the most popular common priorities? They're all about you, Beverly said. They are, aren't they? They are all about me and my life and my experience of life. There is that one, make more time for loved ones. Um, But you think about Jesus, he made time for those who hated him. He loved his enemies. Uh, And so it's a very different type of life that Jesus lived, isn't it? So I, so I want to say lots of those are good goals, right? And so don't, don't hear me saying, you know, don't try to set good personal development goals. Um, and I've got a few of those, right? And I've got to take them to heart, right? Because uh, if I don't, my capacity will diminish. Right? Good to have goals to be fit, healthy, financially stable. But we want to have bigger goals than that bigger goals than ourselves. Um, We follow Jesus. How many of Jesus' personal goals were about him? How many of Jesus' life goals were about him? Any thoughts? Any guesses? None? There's one I could think of, actually, on the way to church, it came to me, where Jesus prays to God, glorify your son. Right? So he wants, but then he says, so that the Son might glorify you. And even, even, in, even in a prayer where he prays for himself to be lifted up, it's purely because of his heart of love towards God, that God be honoured and given the glory that he deserves. God his Father. All right? Mark chapter 10, verse 45, I've come not to be served, Jesus said, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus lived the complete opposite of a self-centered life. He embraced the calling of a servant and lived a life of selfless love. His priorities were, given, were driven by a love for God, a love for us, uh, and a recognition of our greatest need, but he also had such a depth of compassion for immediate needs and people hurting who were standing right in front of him. So as you embark on another year, will you follow Jesus? That's a high calling, isn't it? Not seeking to be served, but to serve. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 rings in my head. Uh, It says this, For the love of Christ compels us. For we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died that 
Those who live would not live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Can you hear what it's saying? Jesus died for us to save us, yes. But part of what he's saving us from is a self-centered life. He saved us to live for him and to live for others and to live for God. So here is a resolution for this year. Follow Jesus. This is number one resolution, right? And even if you don't have a resolution, this is a life goal. Follow Jesus by embracing his priorities and by imitating his compassion. Is there anything faulty about that? I like it. Uh, if, if it needs modification, let me know. Um, so how do you make, how do you succeed in that? Because Jesus is a high bar, isn't he, to follow? Uh, and so you can just go, oh man, I just can't, you know, too high. So let me, how do you succeed? I'll give you three tips and, and, and then you might discuss some more. One is make a regular commitment to come to church and to growth group each week. Right? Now that sounds fairly doable. Um, but here's the thing. When I think about my goal, my commitment to Jesus, sometimes I think, yep, I've made that commitment and it's a fixed point. But what, what we've got to remember is, no, we're living in a stream. Right? And, it, and there's just a drift and, and, our, and our, our lives, our attention, our focus drifts constantly. So what we need to do is keep orientating ourselves. So, you know, when, when I send, set life goals, I reset life goals every three months. Every time I go on holidays, after about three days, I start to think, oh, yeah, I was going to do this and this and this, right? Now, even three months, too long. Right? What we want is in a world where there's a strong current pulling us towards self, pulling us away from God, away from Jesus. It is a strong current, isn't it? Right? Strong current. We've got to, on a weekly basis, refix our priorities on the Lord Jesus and remind ourselves in community with one another, he's my king. And I need to carve time out to listen to him. Please understand <clears throat> you <clears throat> the human tendency to overestimate our own abilities right? see these people that think that we can, we, I can achieve my goals easily in life no they're hard right so make it, be here reset your thinking on a weekly basis right, so there's the first kind of goal this year if, if this is important to you there's a, there's a step the other thing I want to say is, look at Jesus' habit of prayer, carving out time. I suspect that it doesn't come to the extremes that Jesus had to go. You know, getting up while it's still dark, you know, off in a, I, I suspect our lives are not that busy. But we do need to rethink what is going on in my life. Because sometimes we take on things that add to our, the pressure of our life, where you just go... At the end of the day, that's not an important thing. I've actually got to rethink what are the things that are chewing so much of my time if prayer, if hearing the word of God is dropping off. I, I need to re-evaluate at that point. And, and the third thing is, you know, we've been called to preach, right? We're part of the Galilee Fishermen's Club. 
And I just want to say, I want to invite friends to come along to church, right? Because you don't need to be the one always delivering the message. You pay me to do that. Uh, or you pay, you know, life's, the life series, bring them along to life. Right? Have someone else like Caleb did uh, deliver the message and be in a context where you can interact with your friends over it. I uh, really want to impress that on you. This is part of being in the fishing club. Uh, now, so there's a few tips on how to succeed, but I want to give you an encouragement that Jesus forgives. So we don't need to feel like a failure. We just say, Jesus, even I didn't even make it a day and I started being selfish. Please forgive me. Please change me. And he's powerful. He has the power to change our hearts. So we just keep on bringing it to him. Forgive me, change me. Right? Regular prayer. Uh, and he will forgive us, but he will change us. Uh, and strengthen us, and let, let, let's, let's do this together this year. I'm going to lead us in prayer. Will you pray with me? Oh, God, our Father, we want to thank you for King Jesus. He's just so beautiful, so powerful, uh, so able to meet our every need, and yet such a heart of compassion, not looking to be served, but to serve and lay down his life for us. Uh, Father, we, we marvel at Jesus, at our King, who had such a big heart of love, who has such a big heart of love even now. And Father, we, we pray for those who haven't yet decided to follow Jesus. Father, please stir in their hearts. Please persuade them. Please help them to take the next step uh, in coming to know Jesus and bowing the knee before him. But Father, for all those of us who do follow Jesus, Father, we want to make him king of every day, of every hour. Father, we don't want to live for ourselves like the rest of our world. We want to live lives of love, selfless love. Father, we can't do that on our own. So please strengthen us as we gather as we hear your word, as we cast our cares on you in prayer. Forgive us when we fail, but please strengthen us to succeed. For your glory we pray. Amen.